but there's no ball down the hill other than people yelling in the streets and the people are like, why are they destroying stuff? And like the whole issue just kind of lost. I'm Leon Davis, and this is One Good Question. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of One Good Question. My name is Leon Davis. I'm your host. This first episode is with a friend of mine named Matt Young. I made this episode first for several reasons. First, the aha moment I had at the end of this, I think, is something that really needs to resonate with you throughout the rest of these conversations. And on that same note, I refer back to that moment a lot. So I thought it was important for you to hear this conversation and that moment so that when I'm referring to it in other conversations in this series, you really get to understand what I'm talking about. But Matt and I had a great conversation. We both come at this from different angles, but we were able to really have a productive conversation and come to a point where we really are at a point of understanding at the end. And I appreciate Matt sitting for the conversation and I appreciate his time. So what you'll notice is that I actually never asked Matt the actual question. And what happened is he was having trouble kind of wrapping his head around that question, but I felt that I could have a better, just organic conversation with him. And so I just went that route where we just started talking and got going and we never even got back to the question that I intended on asking, but throughout the conversation, I believe we pretty much answered what that question was going to be. It's a really good conversation and I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to Matt Young on one good question. incidences have there been more than you would know <laughs> i mean i would guess like big public publicity one there's been i don't know four I, but i really don't know um no there's probably been upwards of uh i can name probably 10 to 15 off the top of my head what are they so you have oscar grant which that was way back in 2007 2009 excuse me yeah it's uh fruitvale station he was handcuffed mm-hmm. on his stomach and cop shot him in the back Philando Castile, who that happened in Minnesota also. That's the guy who told the officer, hey, I'm a licensed handgun owner. I have a handgun. I'm going to get my license. And as he reached for the license, the officer shot him. His girlfriend recorded that one. There's Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old kid playing with a BB gun in, in Ohio, uh, Cincinnati area, I believe. I'm not, don't quote me on that one. Um, but it was in Ohio, which is an, which is an open carry state, first of all. Uh, cops will pull up jump out of the car within two seconds they shoot him um Jeez. 
Yeah. Um, Trayvon um, Martin. Everybody knows that one. There's a gentleman who was in a Walmart buying a BB gun and cops ran up on him, shot him in the, in Walmart. All huh? of them white. Uh, the incidents with the police officers are, most of them are white, but some of them, like one was Hispanic. I believe the guy that shot Philando Castile was Hispanic. Occasionally there's a black officer in there. Uh, they're not all white officers. It's more of a officer issue than a color issue. It's a police department handling black people issue than more than white officers and black people. Let's see. We had three incidents here. So we had the kid in um, Seagaville that was leaving a party and the cop shot into the car, kill, killing him in front of his uh, brother and two friends. Um, I don't have huh? TV, so if it's not on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Um, so there's that one. There's the Amber Geiger who went into the wrong apartment and shot the guy. There's a cop in Fort Worth that was, uh, kind of creeping around a house. They got a well check call and they were creeping around a house and the lady was a handgun owner. And so she heard somebody creeping around her house. They never announced themselves. Um, he saw her pull her handgun and he shot her instead of saying, Hey, I'm the police. Um, (laughs) In Kentucky, a couple weeks ago, there was a young lady where they went to the wrong house, broke in her house, shot her. Um, There was a kid in um, South Carolina, North Carolina, that was jogging, was run down. Those guys weren't even cops. (laughs) Um, Those were just two racist dudes, which we found out that they were definitively racist because of some of the things they said after they shot him. I think I heard that one, too. Yeah, that one's that one's fairly recent, along with the young lady in Kentucky. Um, there's a guy. There's, this one's on film too in Chicago, that was uh, distraught on drugs, running down the street, and the cops are running right next to him. And instead of just letting him run himself out because he wouldn't stop running and he wasn't armed, clearly not armed, and wasn't presenting any threat to the officers, they shot him. Hmm. Um, there's a. I don't remember where this one happened, but I remember a guy that was had broken down needed some help, knocked on a door, lady calls the cops on him, and when he uh, goes to talk to the cops, they shoot him. Dude, there's lots of them. <laughs> the rarity with which cops can be held accountable, on even civilly, they can't even be held accountable civilly. That's most public servants, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and that's actually being reviewed tomorrow, actually. Uh, the Supreme Court actually is reviewing nine of those cases, in conference and they might pull one of those out and uh, put them on the docket. So we'll see um, if we make any progress. Aren't aren't held liable or any of those guys. Yeah. It's uh, qualified immunity is it's a legal doctrine. There's not really even a law. It's just a legal doctrine that they imposed on a 1871 law. um, And that doctrine actually didn't, they didn't impose that doctrine until 1967. So, So saying pretty much anything that any public servant does while they're on duty is under, under the guise of the law, um, whether it's a mistake or not. And uh, you'd be amazed at the things police officers have been, been in, not just killing people, just the, like being able to take things from people and not be able to be held accountable for that. Like actually there's a, you'd be amazed at what people have been able to do and not be held liable under that uh, legal doctrine. So. Well, that's why I avoid the police at all costs. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, trust me, dude. It's it's uh, you know, these I've people only, I see, 
they're filming stuff and they're like getting in there. I'm like, I would never, like I would not get close to a cop. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be arrested. <laughs> yeah. I've only had one real negative um, interaction with cops and my wife was actually with me when that happened. Uh, we were coming back from Wichita Falls. Um, I'm driving from, um, I'm turning off of 277 onto 380 and there's that stop sign and mm-hmm. I roll the stop sign. And as I, cause you know, I had, I had already intended on rolling cause I looked both ways. It was, in, it, was uh-huh. it was clear and I let my foot off the brake to go and I'm halfway in the street and I look over and I see this trooper. I'm like, oh shit. I go, Kobe, he's going to pull me over. She's like, well, as I rolled that stop sign, he's going to pull me over. He pulls me over. And so we're like, I was like, all right, that's cool. So we get it. So Kobe gets everything. It's like the, gets like the insurance out and everything. So he comes to her side of the window. He goes, Hey, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, no, um, what's up? And he goes, I pulled you over. because you don't have a front license plate. Nice. And I was like, really, dude, you were looking for, you were looking so hard for a reason to pull me over that you missed the actual reason to pull me over. Like the whole time, like I'm saying, sorry, I'm, we're getting a ticket. Cause I rolled a stop sign. Like I really truly thought it was a stop sign. He missed the stop sign. Cause he was just looking for a reason to pull me over. And the only thing he could find was my front license plate. So, yeah, so that was, that's the only real negative. Um, typically in town, I don't have any issue with them. So, um, it's, it sucks though, man. Cause like I have had to have conversations. Both my boys are driving age now. And so like, I have to, I have to have conversations with them. Like, listen, and my oldest has a little bit of a temper. I'm like, yo, don't pipe up at a police officer. Don't do any of that. It's like, yes, sir. No, sir. Do what he asks you. Make sure your hands are visible. Like don't do anything that will give him a reason to escalate the situation. There's a bunch of those videos circulating of like lawyers and they're like, never talk to police. And they make up this scenario where this guy is like, I, I'm innocent, but I'll talk to the police. And he's like, look how I turned it into now you look guilty. Yeah. And I was like, and just because of that, like if a cop asks me anything, I'm like, no, like, don't be honest with them. Don't tell them anything. Have you been? No. <laughs> You're like, oh, I have like three beers, man. I'm good. And I'm like, no, you tell them nothing. Yeah, yeah, give them zero information. You never know when you're going to get that police officer who's had a bad day. Like, uh, do you remember the McKinney thing where that cop was, like, slinging that little girl around because there was a big party and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um, I went to – I was going to church at a church in McKinney at the time, and I kind of – and our pastor had said something I wasn't real happy with. So I shot – I was just like, hey, this is what I feel. Um, yet you should be a better steward of that considering you, you're a white pastor with a pretty good flock of black people that come here. And he, um, so he actually reached back out to me and we sat down and had a conversation about it. And I found out a little bit more about it. It's still not like, Hey, that excuses what that action is. Cause it was a child and there was no reason for him to sling a kid around like that. But, um, he had two homicides and he was at the end of his shift and he responded to that call. And so he was just, he was not in the mental mindset to, to take right. that call. And McKinney didn't have, an infrastructure built to protect him from that, protect him and the public from that. And it's just, I mean, I was like, I understand the mental degradation he was going through. I understand that. I mean, like that's McKinney's job to put that in place so that officers don't respond to something at the end of their thing that could put them in a bad situation or put somebody in the public in a bad situation. I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, you know, it was probably, I don't know what it's been 10 years ago. I'm just making that up, but, you know, cops always had partners and they'd always roll two cops in a car. And now because of budget cuts and whatever, they've got one and one. And 
I'm not sure if this has escalated since then, like if you charted it, but I would imagine that because previously they kind of had someone who always had their back yeah. uh, to kind of walk out and say, hey, calm down. You know, we know each other and they had a good rapport. Well, now they, they maybe get somebody they've never met who's coming to help them. And so they're really watching out for themselves because a lot of people hate cops and people want to shoot cops or beat up cops or whatever they want to do with cops. And so they're trying to, you know, protect themselves and handle the situation, which is why they probably go to an extreme force. They shouldn't because they're at zero or a hundred. Yeah. It's all in kind of their self-preservation. Like, okay, if I get up off this guy, he's going to be mad at me and he's going to come beat me up. And then other people are going to see me getting beat up and people don't like me because I'm a cop. So nobody's going to help me. And they, they probably go to that extreme trying to protect themselves Whereas if they had a partner and somebody to kind of help. Yeah. Yeah. And that in de-escalation training, that's why like in Dallas, you don't hear a lot of issues with Dallas police having just too, being too aggressive with people. Cause the previous chief was really good about de-escalation training. And it's shown in a lot of cities where they have started in integrating heavy de-escalation training. It's show it's showing benefits that, they're not necessarily having the same issues with the over aggression or the um, use of force issue. Uh, so I was on a job a while back when we remodeling a house and we set off an alarm and the, the cops came up and I was like, Hey, like you guys just kind of strolled up here all casual and relaxed. Like I was like, I could be breaking in stealing stuff. Like what's the deal? And they were like, Oh, it's our new training. Like we're not supposed to look menacing or threatening and we're supposed to be real calm and like nonchalant. And I'm like, so like, how do you judge if I'm a criminal or not? Like you're not even asking me anything. And they were just like, well, you're a criminal. You probably would have ran. (laughs) (laughs) Hang out and stay around. I'm like, that's kind of sign one. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's a lot of the things that, you know, but that's, like in our, my neighborhood, like I wouldn't like a cop rolled up. I'm not going anywhere. Right. But like in areas where they just don't have a trust of police officers. In fact, mm-hmm. a federal judge in Boston actually ruled that it was not necessarily evading the police. If somebody was running because the police there had such a bad track record. <laughs> and the, wow. the federal judge was like, no, he rightfully had a reason to run from you because you guys are menacing their community. <laughs> and, and I was like, Wow, that's that was pretty that's pretty interesting. But um, have you heard of Pokemon Go? Do you ever play that or not? Oh, uh, I played it when it first came out. My, my oldest I, son still plays. I was playing it the other night. At, there's a gym by my house, and so I was there just sitting there playing. And uh, I had some cabinets like strapped to the back of my truck. And I guess there's been a lot of people breaking into cars around here. And I was just I didn't even realize a cop pulled up behind me because it was like I don't know, twelve o'clock, midnight, something like that. And I pulled off and they just kind of like, they started following me. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I was like, I'm just going to pull over and like, let them figure out whatever. And like, it was ended up being a female cop and she blocked the whole road behind me. So like nobody could come with a car from the other way. So I guess kind of controlling her situation. And she's like, what are you doing? And I explained to her and she's like, can I see your license to make sure you live here? I'm like, I live right there. And she's like, can I see it? And I was like, sure. So I showed her my license. She's like, all right, well, we just had a lot of break-ins and people trying to steal stuff from cars, so I wanted to check. I was like, all right, see you later. <laughs> like, she didn't pull me over. I was like, this is weird. You're following me. I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what do you need? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Did you ever have a chance to watch the George Floyd thing? Yeah, I watched uh, maybe five or ten minutes of it today. I guess there was a new video out today from whatever shop, cupcake shop uh, across the street. And yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I've seen the original video, but I've seen a compilation of videos now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just this situation. I think this situation is more of uh, there's less room for, hey, what was he doing? Hey, what was it? Like, there's less room for that um, yeah. because there's really no call for you to keep your knee on somebody's neck for nine minutes, right? So, <laughs> um, so I mean, the guy. The people, uh, I mean, they shouldn't have ever done that, right? Uh, you feel bad, though, too, for the cops because you've got these people yelling at them like, I guess essentially ready to attack the police to get them off, which is a good thing. But at the same time, now their attention is diverted to controlling this crowd. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they, they separate that out and get people to kind of give them some space. Cause I think if, if people just kind of calmed down and like didn't yell at them and start screaming at them, like they could have calmed down. But I mean, that guy, from what I could see was big and seemed to overpower two or three of the cops. Because I guess he fought his way out of the car somehow, it looked like. That's the so nobody has a real good shot about what happened in the car. And that'll be interesting to see what happened there. Um because once you have him in the car, like there's no reason to get him back out. Like secure him, close the door, right? <laughs> you know? I, I, it looked like they had both doors open and I, I I don't understand. I thought the doors only opened from the outside. Maybe they don't. Just, uh, yeah, but yeah. Other doors were open, and then how he got back, uh, I don't understand all that. The thing that got me was they knew that the guy was in distress enough to call an ambulance in. The ambulance shows up, and the cop doesn't even take his knee off the guy's neck for the ambulance for the guy to get vitals. Like the guy had to reach under, had to reach around the dude's knee. I just think. Like there has to be a level of accountability. I think, and the and the lack of accountability, I think, is the biggest issue. Is well, why this lingers. Which is good, right? I mean, he's in jail, and they're charging the other cops. Yeah, but you know, how many times have they charged a cop and they got him off? And well, this uh, part was interesting. I heard a lawyer talking about it, and he said everybody's complaining that he was charged with third degree murder. And this guy was saying that's actually a really good thing in this case. Because first-degree murder, a jury has to look at his intent. Did he intend to do that? And if he yeah. didn't, then you can't convict him. But third-degree doesn't matter how he was feeling and what he was thinking and trying to do. It was did he or didn't he. Yeah. That's and so that's one of the things that, like, I think these lawyers, a lot of these lawyers that go out, that get these cases, that are uh, the decide to try these cases, um, they swing for the fences. And I'm not sure if that's on purpose or not because they're from the DA's office, right? So – they're like, hey, it's going to be this or that, and they have to work with the police department. Like in the Trayvon Martin case, like they didn't even offer manslaughter. Like that was the easy manslaughter manslaughter case, easy. But they didn't even right. offer the option. It was all first degree murder. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, it's like, well, it wasn't that. So okay, we're gonna we're gonna let the guy walk, and the guy has proven himself to be a douchebag since then. But is the goal to get? the biggest sentence possible or to put the guy away so that he serves some time for this. And I think sometimes these lawyers lose sight of that trying, you know, either as an intentional strategy or as 
uh, trying to make their name. Um, I don't know. I don't know which, but that's yeah. kind of like the Lincoln lawyer movie where he was saying, how do you defend these scumbags? And he's like, you guys planted evidence and tried to do all this stuff to get someone in trouble who wasn't like yeah. you guys are also being scumbags. So yeah. Don't yeah, be jerks. You don't have to be jerks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real interesting situation, man. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. What I, so you probably, uh, maybe you don't just, they're saying no justice, no peace. I mean, the guy's arrested and he's, he's in jail. Like what? As I said, there's just a bad history of these guys walking. Like, I mean, the guy, so the guy in Minneapolis that was, that was a legal gun owner and was talking to the police. Like, this is all on tape. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to give you my, my license. And he reaches and the cop pulls out his gun and shoots him. That guy walked. Like that guy, nothing walked. One of the tools that the DA uses to kind of wash their hands of it because the public doesn't really understand how it works is they use a grand jury. And this is, and what I tell people all the time is like when the grand jury comes into it, they're trying to get that cop off because grand juries are always sealed and it's only one sided because somebody doesn't get to, no one gets to go to the grand jury and talk from the side of the victim. It's just right. the DA presenting the evidence to a grand jury saying, hey, do you think this guy should go up to trial? And that's all a grand jury is. And if the DA doesn't want to show them something, he doesn't have to show them any. He doesn't have to show them all the evidence. And so he can show them what he does or doesn't want to. But they also don't have to go to grand jury like this one. They just brought the charges. That's one of their tools. They can just automatically bring charges. They don't have to go to a grand jury. There's opportunity. We're like, hey, when this happens, either we're going to have a minimum charge where these guys have to, hey, if you shoot somebody in the line of duty and it's shown that they didn't have a gun or they didn't have a weapon and they weren't necessarily threatening to you, you're going to have to go look, sit in front of a manslaughter trial, you know, minimum, right? I don't think that's too much to ask. Like, hey, guys, if you make a mistake and you kill somebody, if I make a mistake and kill somebody, I'm going to, uh, for manslaughter. So why shouldn't these guys, right? Because a mistake, even though it's a mistake, you still took a life. Mm-hmm. So you should be held to account. There probably needs to be just some kind of like cop escalation guidelines, you know, because right now they seem like they're, they're baseline zero. And then they're like, I'm no force. I'm laid back to a hundred. Yeah. And they like, okay, Hey, this is warning one. If you do this, X is going to happen. This is warning two. This is going to happen. This is warning three. This is going to happen. And just universally, everybody kind of knows the stages. So if you want to push them to whatever, like, but at some point they're going to be like, all right, state, you're, you're going to stage four and we're going to tase you. And if you want to keep going, then they're going to tase you. And then you yeah. know, like the procedure. And if everybody kind of knew this procedure of what to expect when cops pulled them over or when they interacted with cops, it would probably be a lot better if nationwide you're like, all right, look, I, I can yell at you. Fine. If I start getting in your face, there's step one. I'm going to ask you to get back. If you don't get back, there's now a step two. And, and this will happen. And if, if yeah. you don't follow these steps, eventually some, if you reach for their gun, they're, they're going to have a, more authorization than they did a second ago. Yeah. And, and yeah. This- and that's reason that's completely reasonable. But the problem is that each department. So if you noticed where these things happen, they happen a lot in the same places. Like Minneapolis has a huge problem. Like you could, they could probably pull 20 different incidences out of Minneapolis. Right. Yeah. And, and Ohio, Ohio as a state has a huge problem. Like that happens. It happens a lot in Florida and it happens a lot in New York. Like it happens in bunches in the same places because 
policing standards in those places. Everybody says, why don't we get more black cops? But that's not going to fix the problem in, if you're still not holding them accountable. There's a one police chief says, hey, I have 10 good cops and one bad cop. And those 10 good cops don't tell on that one. Don't say anything about that one bad cop. I have 11 bad cops. Right. And so in that and that's the problem is that it's that big wall of silence they have. It's like, well, that guy sucks, but I'm not going to say anything about it. He's an asshole. I'm not going to say anything about it. And then that asshole kills somebody and nobody ever said anything about it. How much do you think of it as just like culture, just from like portrayal of movies and music and all that that's escalated a bunch of this tension? I uh, I don't think you it's... Know, you had them singing, you know, run up on a cop and shoot a cop. And you, I mean, and, and just all that negativity towards police, which I get. I mean, I'm not saying it's not justified, but... Also doesn't help, I wouldn't think. that. Yeah, well, that was, I mean, but it's been a while. And, I mean, and it's been through pretty much all genres of music. Uh, Hip-hop gets a pretty bad rap about it. But um, but uh, it's, it's, it's not so much, like, hip-hop culture doesn't necessarily tolerate that as much because because of the issues we have with cops. It's like, don't escalate it by putting the song out there because... I mean, it, it, it doesn't make our case any better when that song's out there, right? Um, so there's no, there, there hasn't been a well-known song that's anti-police for quite a while. As far as culture, I just think our culture has bad sense of history, I think. Like, I think our culture in general thinks that the, like there's a lot of feeling that we should be past this. And it's hard to say that when it was only like, what's it? we're in 2020 uh 1963 was they had to pass a law to they had 1964 excuse me the civil rights act had to be passed in 1964 um that's not even 60 years right my mom was alive during that time (laughs) and so um so there's a lot of families who lived through a lot of that right and so like if you look at the pictures like when people are posting these pictures like this is a protest and this isn't like it's like, yeah, but take that protest of Martin Luther King. And did you look at the white people on the side? He, in 1968, when he died, he was like on a poll. He was one of the least liked people in America. Like they didn't like him back then. So I don't know why he was like, and those were people, those are parents and grandparents now, right? Thinking that we should be past it is wishful thinking because a lot of those people who lived through that are still alive. Right. I was like, we're good two, three generations off from even being able to really think about that. Huh? Do they think it's better or the same? It's like, like baseline back then of zero. Like, are we at 15? Like even on a hundred here, are we at 50 now or are we at like 10? So we're making progress, but I think the desire to be over and through this is making people blind to the fact that there's still progress to be made. Okay. So zero to a hundred. All right. I would say we're over 50, not quite 75. Right. So 65, 65 is strange. Right. Most of the work is done. It's just a lot of it is taking the time to have empathy for the experience of the other and understanding that there are things in the system that need to be removed so that the playing field can truly be leveled because not that it's rigged. It's just not necessarily leveled because what you're, what people don't understand is like what the housing actors passed in like 1978 and they amended it in the eighties. So 
black people have just been able to truly have opportunity to buy houses like late nineties, early two thousands. Like, like that's really like, if you, uh, you could probably track that and see home ownership and see the spike, right? Something as simple as life insurance, which is a way to move wealth from one generation to the next when one dies, right? Black people couldn't buy life insurance till the seventies. Like couldn't do it. And it's not that we're being offensive. It's like, Hey, there's a head start there. You, your family has been passing wealth from generation to generation since they landed. That's why there's like, now is probably why there are so many more black families doing better because, Hey, those things are in place and now we're able to take advantage of them. Not everybody's going to move at that same pace. Right. It's a lot like uh, with the NFL um, and coaches, right? So I was like people with the Rooney rule and all that stuff and, and the NCAA coaches and people were all like flipping out. And I had somebody put it to me like this, like, listen, 1969 was the last all white um, NCAA football champion, U- University of Texas. All right. right. Not 1969. So you got to think. So you have those guys coming out coaches. So as they're starting to integrate black players in. So to, in order to be a coach, you have to be a player. Right. And so as you're starting to integrate, you don't get a good integration of black play- players till the 80s. Right. Well, then you mm-hmm. got to get the, those players that have the aptitude to coach to rise to get mentored. Well, there's still a culture thing there. Like, eh, I don't know about a black coach. And there's, you got to get a few of them mentored in. And as they start mentoring mm-hmm. in, and so you don't really get that critical mass of people until now, right? And so that's, and, and that's kind of the same thing with economics. We're not at a critical mass of people moving in that direction. And there's still some things systemically that need to be removed so that we can get so we can move toward that critical mass so that the culture can make the jump. That makes sense. I'd imagine so, somebody yeah. that also too is people, you know, like you want to hire your teammates that are coaches and, and this and that, that were coaches. Yeah. And-, and that's a lot of it. And, and it's, and sometimes it's not even necessarily intentionally, Hey, I don't want to hire a black guy. It's like, Hey, I just know that guy and I know he'll do a good job and he happens to be white. Right. And so, and, and, but I've known him for 25 years and I've eaten a thousand dinners with him and I know him. Yeah, hire somebody I know. Yeah, you also have to put the backstop in the system, though, because if we let that happen, then those opportunities would never come, and black people would never be able to get get the get the traction they need. And that's why you have to put backstops in the system. Like, hey, I know you know that guy, but you need to look at this guy too. Well, it's kind of like there's no really no women basketball coaches either, because like they're all men, and that's who people. Oh, well, they're a man, and yeah. Like they're just now starting to take them seriously. So they're probably about 20 years from that actually being a thing that could happen on a normal basis because you got to get a critical mass of people getting mentored into those positions. There's actually a whole, when I piece together a bunch of stuff, you know, because in construction, the trades are generally seen as a man's job. You don't see a lot of women plumbers, not a lot of women electricians and all that. Yeah. And they said, uh, Two kind of things to mind. People can't do a job that they don't see somebody who looks like them, you know, kind of race, religion, color, creed, all that. They can't imagine themselves doing something like that. And so when they don't have a role model who does it, they don't have a, a desire to like be that first person. Yeah. And so if you get more people who do that, then there's a bigger desire for them to become that. Yeah. Yeah. And so highlighting these people who do that becomes a bigger and bigger issue because then it can spread. Yeah. And I so, imagine with social media because it spreads so quickly now. Yeah, that you see that spread 
happening easier and easier. Because before, if you didn't watch the five o'clock news, you missed everything. And now you can just be constantly inundated with information and just see that, which is probably how the protest happens so easily. Yeah. And information, because you see it on social media, it's so quick and easy to get all that information out to people. Yeah, it, uh, social media has changed, changed everything. <laughs> um, the amount of information that's out there and the speed at which it moves. Um, I think it's next- got... Go ahead. Oh, I was saying this next generation has a lot of great opportunities. Um, I tend not to be that guy. I tend not to try not to be the guy of like, oh, this next generation is going to suck. I just think they're going to do things differently. Um, I think the biggest problem they're going to have, and maybe it's just the older generations that's struggling, is vetting their information to verify it's true. Like I saw tonight on Facebook, there's some Mike Tyson's like if white people ride it as much and here's a chart, all these white people are being killed by black people and white people aren't riding. And they pulled it off his Twitter, but you go look on his Twitter. It's never posted there. And everyone's like, Mike Tyson gets it. Why doesn't anyone else? I'm like, we don't even know. We said that like people can just Photoshop anything. Like so-and-so said it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. nobody wants to do research. Like, Oh, I saw it on my friend's Facebook page. That's so gotta be true. We just, like, yeah. Give it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why, um, I'm really, uh, if, if most, mostly things that I, if I repost something, it's probably a quote <laughs> that I, that I relate to. Other than that, um, I try to stay away from something that's that, that, that unless I've fact checked it myself, um, uh, anything that could be possibly inflammatory. It's just, it's amazing. It's on both sides. I have friends on both sides of the issue and it's just, you see things just like, please really, <laughs> you know, I'm on no side of the issue. Cause I, yeah. It's just too. It's too complicated to get involved in. And I, I understand the, not necessarily desire, but the propensity to do that. Because it, I understand there's a tendency to want to do that because of how heavy this issue is. Right. There's there's a need for allyship because that's why so many of them have been able to pass previously because people are like, I just don't want to bother with it, and so they don't. And no one, and there's no support for it. And so that cop can walk and there's no accountability and there's no one to advocate for accountability other than the people who feel victimized, who, whose voice just in, and I guess social capital isn't big enough to move the needle. And that's why you need people with more social capital that, Hey, this is what's going on. And if you, if you agree that this is what's going on, this is why we need your social capital to help move the needle. Like all these protests, are like I'm never gonna go to a protest. I'm oh yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I, and that's not what I'm necessarily. It's just that I'm my kids to a protest, and people, like, you got to get out there and be involved. I'm like, I'm never doing that. I heard there was a protest at Park and uh, Preston and Parker. I was like, I'm avoiding that area at all costs. Like, I don't know who's gonna loot and riot. I don't know if it's gonna turn violent, but I'm not going there. Yeah, and 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 I can understand that, but there's, I mean, there's other ways to be involved and understand. Like if. Like if there's a drive to hey contact your congressman hey advocate for this law that holds police accountable. Have they done any of that? Like I haven't even. Uh, there's a couple. There's people talking about it. Um, but like you should definitely like they're saying it. But basically, what you have to do so people will do it is write the letter, put it on a form so they can hit a button and send it to the congressman. And and they've done it before. Shouldn't um, that exist right now? I mean, we're whatever a week into this almost, or how oh, long? And, and I haven't, I've, trust me, I've been looking at that. I was like, is that something I need to do since I have the ideas? Nobody else thinking about this? Because I was like, I, 
Like, you know how many of those have come across when it's like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Let's, yeah, I'll send that out. And then Ted Cruz sends me a letter like, hey, I, I heard you. I got your, I got your letter. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I hit that button. Right? <laughs> .org and just everyone can click a button and sign it and they review it after so many. Like, where's where's that button for this? Yeah, and th and that's really what you need to do. I mean, and when you see that, you can. And then and anytime you can advocate and say, hey, this is, like, especially in times like, like nobody is saying, like, with the looting and rioting, nobody is saying that's right. But it's like, I acknowledge the fact that I come, as a black person, I come from a different background. I come from a background of a little bit of privilege within black society. And so I've lived in the suburbs my entire life. I've, and so it's, I've, I've come from a, just a different background. Right. And so I've never had to necessarily go through the same struggles some of them are going through. That's an empathy thing. And so, and that's what more than anything, it's like, Hey, when people are like, when people are saying like with, with the looting and rioting in Colin Kaepernick, like both times, what happens is they concentrate on the, on, on the action. He's kneeling in front of the flag. That's not the point. <laughs> let's listen to what he's saying. And then maybe we can get to a point to where maybe he's not doing that, but let's listen to what he's saying. But nobody wanted to take the time to listen and, 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 and the looting and rioting. All right. Nobody's saying that's wrong, but let's, like listen to what's going on just listen listen just listen i didn't listen to colin kaepernick because i wanted to watch a football game and be entertained and not have that be talked about the entire broadcast and and, you know, and that, go to twitter after the game great twitter all you want like and i can choose to be involved in that or not but i was like now you're putting it like i don't even want to watch football now because i'm like this is this has gone from entertainment to not okay yeah but so that's, that was kind of, but that's, so if you approve of what Martin Luther King did, that's the same thing. Like he was just disrupting people's routines. Like people just wanted to ride the bus and go to work, but they were boycotting. People just wanted to go to Woolworths and eat their lunch, but they were having a sit in at the counter. Like, and that's the only way that you can, you, like have, to disru you have to disrupt people's. Yeah. And, 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 and that discomfort, once you feel that discomfort, it's like, all right, you should lean into it and be like, all right, why am I uncomfortable here? What's he talking about? And, and, and trust me. And then after a while you could tune that out. If you le just lean into it the first time, just lean into it. Just be like, Hey, what, what is this about? All right. It's like, cause you're already interrupting my football game. What is this about? I don't even think I watched the game. He did it on. I think I just saw it later. And yeah, like, and it, and I don't want to watch this ESPN news article on this. Like, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and it's and and more of the conversation is was about the flag and and the national anthem than it was about what he was doing it for. And he never. And the thing is, he never made a big deal about it. Somebody noticed it, asked him a question, and then he told them, "Hey, this is why I'm doing that." Right. Like he had done it like for two full games, and nobody had noticed. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, and it was like at one somebody somebody noticed it and said, "Hey, why are you kneeling during the during the uh, national anthem?" See, like he's in a position where he's got, like we were talking about earlier, social capital to say something and do something, and he even remained silent. Like he didn't like go out there and like beat the drum until somebody started asking him about it. Yeah, and I mean, but it, it's it's one of those things where it's like I told you so. <laughs> like really, the dude lost his NFL career, and he's better than probably. 25 to 50% of the quarterbacks out there. And he lost his career because he decided to stand up for this very issue. Like, I don't know if I'd jump out there either. I'd be like, I told you so. <laughs> it's like, no, 
like he did it without anybody knowing and yeah yeah like yeah but that's the, that's the thing like he wasn't doing it to get a, he like he really wasn't trying to get attention because he would have t- he would have done that the first time if that was the point right but he, he knew was, it was going to get attention like you can't those guys are under well, such microscopes you can't do something to not get attention well he did but he was waiting for somebody to ask him like hey why are you doing that like he wasn't begging for the attention he's like i'm gonna do this and if nobody asked him the whole season he would have still done it the whole season right and so and so but somebody asked him he tells them and the world loses their mind right and it's like in the scale of things what's more important a flag and a song or him trying to address an injustice he's just so i i think we just lose we sometimes lose uh focus on things like that so um, yeah, you kind of annoy people and they get angry and they can't focus on what you're saying like and, and, and that's especially, but, during, especially during football when people are drinking they're just like wanting to have a good time and now you've you've ruined their good time and they're like i can't focus on anything you're saying other than how you ruined my good time yeah i know but it's it's one of those things like how so and and this is kind of a blunt statement but like do you want like, should we have to go say, hey, white people, uh, this is an injustice. How would you like us to protest this so you'll pay attention? I would have just liked him, like, just like now, like when we were talking, it just would have been nice if he were like, here's an actionable item. Here's something you can do that would show your support. Like right now, I don't, there's nothing I feel like I can do that show. I'm not going to a protest. Like, wh- I, I'm white, so what, what I'm going to write a letter to somebody that we have to do something? Like, but that's not actionable. Please, somebody do something. That that doesn't do anything. Like, I need a button to click. I need something to click on to be like, here's what I can do. And it's, it's just agreed. I, I I agree that that part of it has not been well organized. I, I can definitely agree with you there. Um, kind uh, of unrelated. Did you see the the great hack on Netflix? I did not. They uh, that whole Cambridge Analytics thing and how how Trump won the election. Oh, oh, okay. Interesting. No, I, I've heard a couple podcasts about that, but um. so they basically said there's uh, basically people are in locked into their views and beliefs, and you have these two segments that I'm just going to make the math easy and call them like forty five percent and forty five percent. Yeah, you have these ten percent of people who are in the middle that you can persuade, and they call them the persuadables, and they can sway any issue one way or the other. And so in that, they, they say Cambridge Analytics figured out who the 10% were to sway the election to Trump. But then I'm pretty sure it was that movie they alleged that Black Lives Matter was that same thing because there's no leadership in it. That I, I want to say it was Russia figured out they could start all this problem by, by not, it's not a problem, but like start the discussion and have it, have it be this by placing these ads and placing these things into certain sections through Facebook ads that's so targeted. Yeah. And that they can just ignite these fuels and these fires by just putting ads out. And, that, and that's why you don't see leadership in some of these new movements is because they're, they're thinking that there is no leadership. It's something that other governments have, have made that they know is a hot button issue. And they're like, watch this. And they, they talked about Brexit. They think Brexit was also part of, this Cambridge Analytics list, and, and they found these little groups they could persuade and, and make things big issues that maybe aren't big issues. Yeah. This, is, this is a big issue, obviously. You can't have cops killing people. Yeah, no. I, I, it's, uh, I think people underestimate 
I don't think most people understand how targeted Facebook Facebook ads are because um, uh, I've messed around with them a little bit and done some research on it um, uh, for my po- I've, I think I've run two podcast ads and this is mostly like information gathering mm-hmm. um, and and uh, done some research on it and it's amazing like how you can just really kind of dial in to who you, and make sure that people that you want to see things see it and people who aren't going to buy don't ever see it. Like you, it's like, I know this demographics never going to look at this. So I don't even want them to see it. Don't even waste my time. Awesome, man. I think this turned out better than um, the initial interview, man. Um, That was a good conversation. Yeah. I I guess I don't know if we answered the question we're supposed to, but that's all right. No, like, so basically all I really want is just a good conversation about the issue. Um, Question or no, like, I don't have to like, I, I can I can I can change the intro and say, hey, we didn't end up going into the question, but we had a great right. conversation and moving and moving in that way. Um because that's all I really wanted in a good, honest conversation. Just trying to see where everybody's coming from. It's just a hard conversation. I don't know what to tell my kids about it. Like I I just don't feel like there's anything I can do. Even if like I would like to do something, just I don't know what to do, like what my next step is. Like like I said, if if I was there and I saw that cop doing that, I would not stand there and like yell at him. Like I might call nine one one and be like, "There's a cop doing something wrong," and like that might be my step. But I'm not gonna like go try to accost him like those people. I'm probably yeah. not gonna film it. Like, yeah, and, and so and that's so that's a measure of experience. So understanding that your experience in life is different than their experience in life, and the, their reaction is their reaction because of their experience and your reaction is your reaction is because of your experience, but that doesn't invalidate either experience, right? It just means that we have different experiences. So we react within the realm of those experiences. And I think a lot of that, like you can't apply the rules from your experience to their experience well, and they can't apply the rules from their experience to your experience. A black issue. Like, I'm a white guy. So like what, I mean, I can support it if I knew what to support, but I just don't feel like there's anything no, I just, I just said there's, I have actually a PDF I can send you that kind of outlines a few things. It kind of explains, like, listen, a lot of it's just being open to this conversation and then moving that conversation through because you have conversations with your friends that I wouldn't have. Right. Wow. And so it's easier for you to have that conversation with your friends and be like, Hey, you know, when, if you have a friend that being a little insensitive, you can be like, Hey, have you ever looked at it from this point? Like, and, and, and like not necessarily being combative. It's like, Hey, are you missing? Is there something we could be missing here? Is there something? And just being more empathetic to the general, because that's what's missing basically is that there's just a lack of on like the people that are on, Hey, the cops are right. Blue lives matter. Like it's just, and then, on the other side, Black Lives Matter is like there's no empathy to bring us to the center. And then everyone's all lives matter. And then it's just like everybody <laughs> wants to attack everybody. Yeah. It's like, hey, it's like, yeah. And, and, and saying and that's the thing, like all lives matter, like saying Black Lives Matter doesn't negate all lives matter. Right. It doesn't. And it's just, it's, it's, it's saying that, hey, how many, like, the funny thing is the organization Black Lives Matter is the only organization that stood up for this white guy that was handcuffed and shot by cops. Like they stood up for him. They're like, Hey, 
this right here, this is exactly what we're talking about. And there, and, but there was no, there was no major media push. There was no, no like, Hey, an, somebody else was shot unarmed. And it's, as I said, it's more of a use of force issue within police departments, but specifically with the black community, but it happens with white communities too, mostly poor white communities because it doesn't happen in rich neighborhoods. Right. Basically it's just getting people to understand like, listen, this is a problem. We want to solve this problem. It affects both sides, but it affects us because we fall more often into that poor neighborhood part. And we are also black and there's a cultural disconnect. That's probably the one place where like, that's probably the the issue is that, you know, blue lives matter. You know what you can do. You can donate, you can put out a flag and you can do stuff like actively. But with black lives matter, like there just doesn't seem to be like any actual item, like, go have a conversation like, okay, that kind of dies away. Like there's not those like long lasting steps, like putting a flag or a sticker or buying a t-shirt while that's giving money for that to do that organization. So that organization can do things with it. Like I have a friend who she's an artist. She did three prints um, from the Austin. uh, She did three different artists, artistic prints from pictures uh, she took in Austin during their protest. Right. And I bought all three prints because she's donating all that money to the NAACP defense fund. And I was like, cool, I'm down with that. I'll buy all three prints, right? So I bought a right. copy of all three prints from her. And so, yeah, donating those little things to give those organizations that are doing things that you believe are right for this for this movement. And that's what I, like, you have to find that organization that you're like, oh, I believe in your mission within this movement. And do the little things where you're giving them money. Because if you're relying on the algorithm of social media to get that in front of you, because of your nat- your native interest, it's not going to land in front of you. Right, right now that you're having the, the algorithm showing all these protests and all these protests, and like if somebody was kind of leading that charge, they could, instead of saying no justice, no peace, they could just like chant for do something. Like go to this, go do this. Because no justice, no peace doesn't tell me like I don't I can't do anything with that. Yeah, that's and that's something I'm I'm that's definitely something that I personally am working on because I'm doing some research on uh, police unions and uh, how we can affect their hold because they're part of the problem too. Um, and then also uh what laws that's why i know so much about what's going through the legal system right now because it's like hey these are things we need to watch so that we can see what we need to do with them right because those are things that will make a long lasting difference and nobody like if you're not watching them like and if you're not consuming the things that you're talking about them uh, then you're not going to be able to react either contact your congressman or contact your mayor or contact your city or contact your police chief if you don't know what's going on with them and so that's where I think I can make the impact now with nothing to do. Um, there, there's no, like what nobody's asking anybody to do anything. Yeah. And, and so what you can't, there's no solution. Like there's no step forward. It's just, Hey, look at us. Okay. Now what? I, and as I said, I completely agree. As I said, there's not, there's not enough of a, as I said, from the movement, I haven't heard, anybody even mention what's going on in the Supreme court. Um, I haven't heard anybody even mention, I've heard a little bit of movement on, on 
unions. That's because there was a little dust up between the Minneapolis union leader. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if he would have come out, and he's a union leader, so he wouldn't have. But if he would have come out and said, yeah, this looks like these, those guys are wrong. So we're going to kind of just let everything play out. If he would have done that, then no one would have been talking about unions. But it's like one of the funniest things to me is that conservatives hate unions unless they're police unions. <laughs> and it's like, well, why is that? Well, because we support <laughs> the police. Not? I'm like, it's oh, still geez. a union. <laughs> so the police are the only people that can organize. <laughs> so I think Dallas hates the police union and the fire union after all that crap last year or the year before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we mismanaged our pension. We're short a billion dollars. Can you help us out? And they're like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? Excuse me? Yeah. And, and as a, those unions. Yeah, I think I think unions in general, like they need to undergo the concept of a union is a good idea. I think they need to be updated. They're still trying to run like they were back in the days of Jimmy Hoffa. And that just doesn't work anymore. So they probably didn't have a choice, so like they probably have to defend him whether they agree or not. Yeah, that's they, I, like I, under, I didn't expect them to come out and not defend those guys because that's what unions do, right? But they're also part of the problem because cumulatively, as police unions, they have lobbying power in Washington. Well, your average Joe Blow has no lobbying power in Washington, so so each police department across the nation could kill one person a year, and that's a lot of people, and all those people wouldn't have a voice because they don't have lobbying power. Right. But the unions have a voice and they have lobbying power. So they could all be blatant murders by those police officers, but the unions oh, could hit all those that guys off. That could have been actual. Somebody could be like, I'm an whatever lobbyist for this cause. Like people could have donated money or like signed a link or did something to be productive. It, yeah. And there's just nothing. Yeah. There's Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think bring another lobbyist into the fray is a good idea. But um, they definitely need some. They they need some organization where they have. It's the system we live in now, so you've got to do something for it. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm not a big fan of lobbyists. I'm in general, lobbyist but, on the the people side of this, like you could do that, yeah. but you need one one specific. You can't get into all this other stuff because then people are like, well, I don't agree with your other causes, so I'm not going to support this one cause. It's kind of like Planned Parenthood. People are like. I can't support you at all because you do abortions. So any of the other services don't matter. Like, so yeah. you need to really focus on like, this is our one thing. Yeah. And, and and that one thing is easy. It's like police accountability. That's a real thing. Easy thing though. Like, listen, we, we want to make sure police are held accountable. And that's and an easy thing to focus we're on. Raising funds to help Sioux cities, counties, states when they do something wrong to make a change. Donate some money. Like that's something actionable. Somebody can get behind and be like, you know what? I'm doing something. Yeah. And then yeah. they've got their information and every year they send them a letter. Hey, we've done this. Look at all this progress we're trying to make and we're, we're fighting this. We're fighting this. And like now you have a snowball effect, but there's no ball down the hill other than people yelling in the streets and the people are like, why are they destroying stuff? And like the whole issue just kind of lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good idea. Um, we'll see what we can do with that. Just, so. you know, something. Yeah, man. I mean, that's why we have these conversations because that's not something like I know what I would do, right? Like I personally know what I would do. I know what I'm focusing on. 
and I've talked to you a little bit about what the things that I'm focusing on as far as how I can, how I can make my impact and move my, what move, what knowledge I know out. Like, but I like the idea that you would look at it and be like, what, 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 what do you want from me? <laughs> it's like, okay, I agree with you. What do you want? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and it's, and that's not something that necessarily naturally occurred to me. For, for this as a bad comparison, it's just kind of like the Kardashians, like, look at us. We're on TV now. And it's like, okay, but now what? Like, I see you. I got it. You're famous now. You're on TV. But now I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that next level of, hey, here's what you do. Like, I go to my police station. I'm like, you guys need to change. And they're like, okay, thanks. See ya. Like, that's that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Well, let me get you that. Uh, I will definitely get you that PowerPoint. Uh, not PowerPoint. PDF. Um, yeah. um, I think I posted it actually. Um, but um, I'll 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 get I'll send it to you directly. So that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The algorithm skipped you. Zuckerberg <laughs> said no. He's like, yeah, he don't like this. <laughs> good old Zuckerberg. But yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a good conversation. I I feel like I got I got a little bit out of it. I got something out of it. So. Um, which is good. That's all I, that's all I really want. So uh, have a good conversation that seems productive when we finish. Yeah. Now, now it's just up to you to tell me what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And trust me, I'm going to point you in the right direction. <laughs> send my money or write a check or what little button I have to click on my phone or. Right. Right. Uh, trust. Hey, I'll write the letter for you if you want to send it. So <laughs> there you go. Just write the letter and let everyone click send, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, all right. Awesome, man. thank you for listening to this conversation. The only way we are going to move forward is to continue having conversations like these. So please meaningfully engage with someone with no intent other than to increase your understanding. With that thought in mind, I thought it was time that I heard from you, the listeners. There is now a one good question hotline. Sometimes I will be asking for your views on something specific. At other times, I may just want to hear from you. You can leave a message anytime for any reason, and it just might end up on the show. Like this message from Matt Hongoltz-Hetling, who was one of my first guests. 
Hey, this goes out to our questioner-in-chief, Leon, from Matt Hungle-Tetling. Uh, just wanted to say I'm optimistic about this moment, uh, not because George Floyd's murder is unique, but because it channeled the energy of decades of work by activists concerned about police brutality and its disproportionate effects on people of color. Uh, that energy and hard work isn't going away, and now millions of people will look more favorably on steps toward reform. Uh, but we also have to remember the forces of oppression aren't going to sleep either. So every move in the right direction will face resistance. So reforms won't be big enough or sweeping enough, but we're gaining some important ground here. At this time, video evidence helped identify the police as the perpetrators of violence. But next time, righteous activists can't allow themselves to be painted as the violent ones. And so I urge everyone who cares about these issues to keep marching with peace, strength, and solidarity. Uh, that's uh, all I got. Those are my thoughts. I hope you are staying safe and well, Leon, and uh, looking forward to seeing your uh, podcast continue to grow. Bye-bye. Thanks, Matt, for taking time out of your day to send me that message. You can reach the hotline at 929-4-OGQ-POD. That's 929-464-7763. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and please make sure you check out the rest of the series. This has been one good question. Once again, I'm your host, Leon Davis. Theme music by DJ Seth Lowry. Other music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen. To catch up with us on social, check the show notes.